You're listening to Ramble with Intent. I'm your host, Lisa Saban-Smith, visual strategist, advocate, ambition guide, and public speaker. I'm here for the dreamers, the doers, and all of the possibilities in between. Through my experiences as a world-class athlete, coach, graphic designer, wife, parent, and all the other life experiences that we have. And the amazing stories with my incredible storytellers, we get to connect how advocacy is not that far off in our everyday lives. Let's ramble. Have you ever wondered if maybe you could just trade something instead, barter a service for your grocery goods or trade off your canned jams that you don't need in abundance for car repair? I mean, it's possible that's how our economy first was built through bartering. Join Barterit and get your first 100 free bits. Links in the show notes. Okay, so excited. (laughs) Hello, everybody. It's Lisa Saban-Smith with Ramble with Intent, and I'm here to introduce our storytelling extraordinaire, Courtney Hobbs. She has bred this beautiful vision called Mother Telling. And it's amazing because she encapsulates the entire concept that every single person has a story. But more importantly, she is giving mothers a space to tell them, to share them. And most definitely, being a mother myself, being able to find spaces for mothers to relate to others and not feel alone. So Courtney, I want to welcome you to Ramble with Intent. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, tell us a little bit more about mother telling and, and yourself, of course. Oh, thank you for having me. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. Mm-hmm. I birthed uh, mother telling this vision sort of simultaneously as my first daughter was born. So she was born into the NICU, uh, which is the neonatal intensive care unit. She came a month early and took us by surprise that she was coming. And it was in those dark days. And if you've ever spent time in the NICU, you know what I mean by like dark. It's a very dark place with beauty, but um, they keep the lights low for the babies. Anyway, and so... I felt really alone navigating motherhood for the first time with, you know, my mom, my mother-in-law could come and visit, but it wasn't like being comfortable at home. And it was the moms that showed up for me through messages and voice notes, just relating their stories of being just the first days of motherhood, but more importantly, the NICU moms connected with me. And I just in those two weeks I spent in the NICU, which really isn't long in comparison to some people's journeys there, but I definitely uh, had this vision that was born to bring moms together to share stories. I didn't understand motherhood until you become a mother. And then you realize like how much, and now I've known now, you know, I'm almost six years into my motherhood journey of how much you need other moms to connect with and bond with and share and really validate your experiences. So it took me a bit to get to this actual point of launching the business, which I just did a couple months ago. Uh, I was running a personal training business for um, five years before that. And then previous to that, my other career was as a high school teacher. And I taught drama and English and dance there, which lends itself so well. I didn't realize I was those years of, as a teacher, I was preparing to become a teacher um, in a different realm with moms, but uh, I helped students craft and build and share stories within the walls of the classroom. So oh it feels God. like it's all coming together. <laughs> it's so funny how like our historical past, when you start to really look at it, it is precisely what is setting the stage, building the foundation, providing the research and development, if you will, for the next step in your life. And I look around and by and large, most of, especially women, most of us hit our stride and take all of that R&D after like 32, 35, 40 years of age. And then all of a sudden we're like, oh, now I know I hated that realm, but I can take from that and turn it into what I desire most. And it's so cool watching women just expand 
at this, what I mean, we're taught to believe is a midlife crisis, but I think it's more like a, a life realization instead. So would you agree that that's kind of what's hit you? Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that was a beautiful way of saying it. I had a bit of a breakdown turn breakthrough is what I call it around my thirties when I left teaching, like left my teaching career uh, and started my personal training business. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of, it all sort of happened within the, and then I got pregnant and had my daughter. It's, that's a longer story that I don't <laughs> need to get into today, but I see it like that. Like just, you're right. Like that realization of oh, this is what I meant to do. And yeah, it's cool. It's cool how your, your journey, because even now I'm in this part of my journey and I'm like, I wonder how this will impact my future self. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I mean, really, we have to think about that anyways, because, and that is one teaching as kids, like we make decisions based on consequences, long-term, short-term, setting the stage for what the future might be. And I mean, in the end, we all survive and make through whether it's a good decision or a bad decision. But it's, uh, it's really interesting how now with the knowing of the past, you're setting your stage for what's going to happen in five, 10 years from now. Yeah. So can you tell us more about mother telling and how, um, how all you're delivering everything and building it into this, really this community of mothers through storytelling. Yeah, I would love to. Thank you. So as of right now, I have one event booked, my very first event, and that's happening May 4th, 2024, and is happening close to where I am geographically. So I'm in Ontario and uh, it's happening in Kitchener, Ontario. Okay. Uh, and so it will be a live storytelling event where moms will take the stage. I'm hoping to have six brave moms (laughs) take the stage and share their true stories of motherhood. So um, the stories that I will help moms and have been crafting myself are true stories. Um, They are what's what I'm calling moth style storytelling. So there is a organization based out of the United States that's called Moth the moth and they tell stories um, live stories on stage Mm -hmm. they run it differently than I want to in that they do story slams like competitions and and open mics and kind of like a poetry slam style Mm -hmm. and they I I don't remember exactly what state they started and I want to say New York but I'm not really sure um but it was years and years ago like I want to say the early 90s Uh, this all started. So they've been around for a long time. And I've always loved the moth stories and following the storytellers and the stories and the podcasts and all of that. And that's what really I'm emulating mine, but I just really want to focus on mothers and and sharing those stories of motherhood. When I first uh, took the stage at the conference that we were at together, I shared my birth story of my first daughter um, that I talked about with spending time in the NICU. So a lot of people thought, oh, she just wants to share birth stories, which there is a place for that. But I really want the stories to be about all the aspects of motherhood. So whether that's when you were birthed as a mother, like when you gave birth or, or became a mother, however that happened for you. Um, or if that's just yesterday when you had this beautiful motherhood moment with your child in the kitchen. That's a story as well that really could impact your motherhood journey. So it will be stories of the whole motherhood journey. Um, for me, the so the coaching piece leading up to that is that I will work with storytellers for six weeks yeah. to help them. Yeah, thank you. So I, I know the moth does this toward the, like for the grand slam performances. I wanna do this with moms and, and it's for a couple of reasons. One, I really want to make sure uh, when moms apply to share their story, that they're going to share their story from a scar and not an open wound. It's really important that we're not like doing therapy on stage Uh, so that, you know, I know either are they looking to work with a storytelling coach and then do that story? Have they already processed what that looks like? Or do they maybe need a counselor and that they should do that first, you know? (laughs) Absolutely. Um, and it's also not to say that stories are all traumatic or or things that we need to process or work through. But, you know, I want to just 
make sure they're coming into it with that. And then I really want to help them share a, a compelling story. So what's the structure of that? Um, and then also how to speak on stage, awesome. which is something that I always did with my students and that I have a real passion for as a drama kid. Yeah. How are you persuading your audience, you know, to listen, to, mm -hmm. to care about what you're saying? And I really, the thing I also love is it's such a transferable skill in that it's amazing that we're going to be able to share in this, at this event, that's all about sharing and connecting and celebrating, but mm -hmm. then Think of all the times when you're on a podcast that you want to share stories, or if you have to give a presentation at work, we know that that storytelling really helps us to connect with our audience. So having that skill in your back pocket of knowing how to speak to an audience, even if it's of just one person, um, I think is really important. So I'm excited to bring that program to life and uh, to take people. That's amazing. It. And I mean, just just helping people have that confidence to speak publicly and being able to know that like, it is not death. <laughs> you will <laughs> yeah. Getting over that fear. And then like, for me, you mentioned, you know, being able to present at a, um, at a, in a boardroom and for it's also having that ability to then take something and speak at your town council, your city council, that's terrifying because you're sitting in a position where you're speaking to perceived authority and you don't know how it's going to be received. But if you have that confidence or at least just that understanding of how to develop a connection piece, how to deliver your concerns and your points of interest or whatever it may be, um, it makes the process so much easier. And then you deliver effectively and we impact through our delivery. So I love that you're not just saying like, hey, cool, come on stage. Good luck. <laughs> you're <laughs> yeah. building a skill in a person as well. So did are you taking that from your teaching? Like you mentioned, you're taking it from being a drama kid and from you worked with it with your students as a teacher. Uh, are you pulling some of it from the experience that helps set you up for speaking on stage at the MYM Summit as well? Are you, how, how did you formulate this plan? I love it. I love it. I'm probably relying heavily on my, my education degree, like, you know, I, and how I would teach students. Um, well, I mean, that's what the moms will be like, they will be students in my program. Right. Um, so that's probably where I'm heavily picking up on that. As I prepared to speak on stage at the MYM summit, uh, we we were gifted this opportunity to work with um, Alex Street, and he's also a storytelling coach. Now, he works primarily with entrepreneurs, um, but he walked us through, and he has a new book coming out just to plug him because he's a lovely hero. <laughs> Why not? Um, but he has a new book coming out where he talks about his story arc. And anyway, so we went through a two hour workshop with him, and that was really enlightening. And it was partly like, I learned a lot and took away from it, but I was also like, I have a lot of these skills. I, I know I could teach people and he didn't actually, to be honest, he talked to, to us about um, crafting our speech or oh, our talk, yeah. not about the delivery piece. Oh, and wow. I think sometimes I'm having this revelation right now as we're talking. So oh, bear with me, gonna... but he didn't really... Sarah probably walked us through a bit more about speaking on stage, slowing yeah. down, taking your breaths, all of that stuff. But I just know from teaching drama, um, there's a lot of different voice techniques and your pace, your pitch, your tone, all of that stuff on how you deliver is really important. And then also the, the rehearsal piece. I really want to make sure... Uh, through my program as we're leading up to that performance element that we're taking time to rehearse and make sure that you feel confident. Yeah. Because I want to go back to what you said about talking, say to town council, chances are like, so in, in my case with some other telling events, and if you're speaking on town council for those two examples, you're speaking about something from your heart. No. That's a little bit vulnerable that you feel passionately about. And so to be able to have practiced and worked through that, because the emotions will inevitably come up. Yeah. Because whether that's 
anger or sadness or whatever the even happiness, even extreme joy that can really throw you off when you're delivering and to be able to rehearse to the point where you're not taking away all of that. And you're a robot just, (laughs) I'm supposed to go louder here and I'm supposed to talk louder here, you know, (laughs) still keeping the emotion in it. But, uh, but yeah, so that's all of that is what I really want to help people with. Yeah. That's amazing. And, you know, I have learned, I, I mean, public speaking is something that always finds me. Uh, so obviously I should probably try to do more of it. Um, but I have learned that being able to understand the emotion and using, uh, you, knowing how to use it to your advantage really helps connect the people too. Um, and people love hearing other people's stories from the heart. We, I mean, goodness, our culture, historically, that's how information was shared, was through stories, sitting around, connecting human to human, heart to heart, passing the the wisdom, the knowledge by way of story to get information passed down from generation to generation. And while, okay, we now have like all of these amazing technological availabilities, Um, we have our internet and everything else, we can still connect through the heart by how, yeah, how we talk and how we speak. And, and, you know, it's okay to stumble sometimes too, because that also the, the listener is like, oh goodness, it's real. And you're not a cyborg. You're not a robot. Right. And then that's connection piece. And that's massive there. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so true. Well, and I love that you touched on that. So I wholeheartedly agree that like, that's how we came to be right. Like through stories, even if it was just like how to, here's the story of how to build fire or whatever, you know, it was all story. Um, but also the digital piece, like, so that one of my main purposes, um, I have two main purposes and one we've talked about that connection piece, but then the other one is that preservation. Mm -hmm. So sort of simultaneously, my mom uh, was diagnosed with Parkinson's when my daughter was born. It, her tremors started and I noticed them in the hospital when we were sitting and, you know, she was wow. holding the baby and kind of talked about that anyway. Then she went for the testing and, and was diagnosed. Yeah. And so I'm watching her health deteriorate as she progresses through her Parkinson's diagnosis. And you know, selfishly, there's a part of me that wants to preserve her, preserve her voice, her mannerisms. Um, I want to hear her stories. I don't know if she'll ever take the stage, but um, for me and for my children, you know, to be able, I'm on social media. So there is kind of this documentation of my voice and the way I am and whatever, but there's a lot of people who aren't on social media, especially moms, how many of them are taking videos and pictures and posting them of their kids and they're never in any of them, you know? Or even just just, pictures, right? Exactly, exactly. So I just think like, what a gift to be able to have your story, you know, captured. Um, And we have tools like audio recording, like video recording, um, where you can capture your mom or have, you know, your mom or yourself in that moment, delivering that story. And, um, it's really been interesting. I've had a couple friends reach out who have lost their moms. So I don't know if it's part of the, they understand the importance of having those stories or having that captured, but they're really interested, you know, in what I'm doing. And I'm like, I see that because I'm sure you wish that you had more of your mom. I mean, we're always going to wish we had more of somebody we loved (laughs) one video is not going to change that but you know what I mean like just to be able to have that I think is really cool because that is sorry I didn't need to keep going but just like when um you know even my I remember when I first got pregnant my nana my grandma sorry we call her nana to the kids but she's my grandma um she, she told me her stories. She had four babies. One, my last uncle was twins and I had never heard those stories 
because she never really had a reason to share them with me until now I'm pregnant. And she was, that's what she's telling me about her births. And I'm like, Oh, I wish I had recorded her, you know, telling me those stories because that is how we pass information along. You know, I'm like, Oh, my grandma did this. I could do this, you know? (laughs) Oh man. So I just thought of another business venture for you. Oh, thank you. Tell me more. (laughs) So so much time, Lisa, (laughs) A, a time capsule for individuals to create with those stories. They don't have to be shared with anyone else publicly, but they are carried through digitally with that family. Okay. I love that. that. (laughs) There you go. I'm going to back pocket that, but I'm, I love it. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like there's a whole lot more tech required behind it, but you know, for the day that you do have more time. So in like, 20 more years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, right now I'm a one, a one, one woman show, but maybe That's, when I have a team, you know, I can dedicate some know. parts of my team to that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh man. So, um, what are your favorite stories that you've heard so far? Like the, the vein or the theme behind them? Well, I just ran my first workshop, so I'm hoping to run a workshop um, once a month. So when this podcast airs, definitely, you know, check out my social media or my website to see what next workshop just to help people um, find their story. So that was the, the topic of this last workshop. And it was just all about different tools, activities, techniques to be able to find and collect different stories that come up. So whether that's collecting in the moment or digging into your memory bank and remembering certain things. And so the women that were on this workshop call with me were so vulnerable right from the beginning, which I loved. They came in with, with stories already. They knew it. Um, And, and what was pretty powerful about this workshop specifically, or the women that chose to come is they, most of them had children with special needs. Oh, wow. Um, So one participant, her son was deaf. They found out at 18 months. And so now they've changed their whole life to like learn a new language, to become a part of a a different, a new community, Mm -hmm. um, both physically moving. And then also part of the deaf community, sending him to a special school, all of that. That was so powerful. And I know that there's just intense stories in there. And then um, another mom was a NICU mom like me, but her journey in the NICU was far, like it was four months and her son has, um, you know, a a lifelong condition from being born early. Um, And then another mom who has an 18 year old who is autistic. And as much as we've become as a society, maybe more accepting or understanding or aware of more atypical or neurodivergent brains, um, 18 years ago or, or school age, whatever, 15 years ago, that would have been a very different path to navigate than today. Right. So there's, I'm sure there's stories. I know there's stories in there. And, And this workshop was just about finding their stories, but they all came with like, um, such rich things. And I mean, putting a, there's, if you don't have a child with special needs or you don't have something like a four month stay in the NICU, like you still have incredible stories to share. I just want to preface that, but um, it's true. I I wonder if in like those realms, um, those mothers feel largely unheard or in a sense underrepresented. And so this platform gave them an opportunity to either advocate for themselves and for their experience and the knowledge that there are other mothers and parents and families that have those similar experiences to create a platform for them, but also as an opportunity to finally be heard. Um, And it's funny too, though, because it's like the moment that a mom starts telling a story about their childhood, every other mom in the room has like, oh, I did that too. Or like my story is this, like, it's like all of a sudden it brings me back to permission granted. The moment that one is told permission is granted for the ladies to just jump on board and, and be open about it. So the vulnerability is like instant, right? The door is open 
thrust wide open. And it's really cool when you're sitting in a room and all of a sudden you're like, oh, you're a mom. I didn't know that. You're a mom. I had no idea, right? Like the summit was a good example. We started telling stories and then everyone had something about that like parenting childhood connection piece that was another connection from female to female in that setting as well. So it was like, I don't know, it's pretty impactful when someone is granted permission to tell their story, what comes out. Absolutely. It's so true because we all came together to a business conference, you know, (laughs) as entrepreneurs. Yeah. A personal Um, conference dressed up as a business conference. (laughs) So true. So true. It was great, but (laughs) yeah, 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 exactly. No, you're absolutely right. Um, But yeah, the moment you kind of, you share Mm -hmm. and then you connect. Yeah. uh, And motherhood really is something that we connect really deeply instantly on. Like, I just know when somebody says they're a mom, I'm like, oh, they get it. Like, it's because it's hard to know until you know. Yeah. Yeah. And (laughs) like, if your kid runs in, you know, people are like, oh, like moms are like, yes, of course your kid's running in right now. It's fine. And Absolutely. that happened in the workshop. I was just being a mom for a second. Sorry. I'm like, don't be sorry. I get it. You know? I mean, well, and for my other capacity of life where I work part-time, my daughter is with me any, like almost any one of our social functions. Cause they end up being in the evenings, but uh, they start at a time where my husband's not home yet. So my daughter's with me. And so she's like basically become the mascot to where when she's present, she's actually running all of our connection meetings because she knows it. And I'm yeah, like, I love all it. right, your stage is set. You're good. <laughs> Carry on little. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> and no one, like, so good. most people are totally forgiving and understanding that in, in the most part, now I would say even 10 years ago it wasn't so accepted but now it's actually encouraged or accepted provided the child is respectful for them to be present and to experience that setting and that space because I mean that's life and we're just doing what we can to make it work as well so I'm curious though like for all of our um, non-moms that wish they could be moms like and this is just a total side thought. I'm really curious as to what their stories are and how their hearts feel. Cause I don't, I can't, I can empathize, but I cannot really understand it either. And I can only imagine that they too have stories that they wish to share or uh, all of those, that sense of loss almost, I would take a guess at, but um, I mean, that's a, a totally different venture for someone else to take on too. So, well, I love that you brought this up. So one of my best friends, my, my, my best friend in the world, you know, we've been friends since we were four years old. She went down the f- struggling to get pregnant, um, mm-hmm. the fertility journey to the point where they adopted their first daughter oh. and then got pregnant with their of son. Course. And yeah, Um as it happens, you know? Um, but so she's been a really great, she's such a supporter of me and she's been such a great sounding board for some of this stuff because you never want to leave people out. Right. Like I, I don't, and I know that I, I don't know it either as I have children. Um, and I, we got pregnant very easily and all of that. So I, I, I cannot relate to that. I will say my parents wanted five children, I'm an only child. They struggled for years um, to have me. So I definitely have always had it in the back of my mind that maybe it would be a struggle for me to get pregnant or have had a, a, an empathy for, for people, for women anyway, or couples that, that go down that road. Um, So I feel like it's twofold. One, Mm. um, my niche you know, to use that term and my target audience is moms. And there are lots of support groups and forums and things like that, that do support people trying to become moms or who aren't, or, you know, and, and I understand like that's for them. I wouldn't belong in that circle Mm -hmm. as a mom. Right. Um, 
so I have to remind myself of that, that I'm trying to serve a specific audience. Um, the other, like, if I can go big on my dream for this business, um, I see it. I always have told people like Ted talks, but with Kleenex and moms in the sense that, um, <laughs> Sponsors, Kleenex. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. True. I have tissues, but uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, and again, not that it's going to be a cry fest, but you know, emotional and that can be good emotions and, and yeah. challenging yeah. emotions. Um, anyway, but I see it as a, a global thing that ends up happening. Um, and I see different themes mm-hmm. for, for different events. So this first event I'm hosting in May is just a general motherhood theme, whatever story, bring it to the table. But as it, as I see this unfolding, there will be events um, that center around perhaps, like I said, with my friends, moms who have lost moms, you know, who are, who are moms without their moms kind of thing. Um, perhaps there's moms who are on that fertility journey or who are on the other side of the fertility journey who have children who have stories of motherhood but inevitably that fertility journey is going to be part of their motherhood story Um, and then perhaps like what I would hope in a perfect world and I'm sure there will be some women who would not be able to come or parents because it affects men too Um, but perhaps they would come as a as a source of hope. Okay. Yeah. These women know my struggle. They tried to get pregnant for years and now they have babies. Mm-hmm. So, so that would be, you know, one of my, my goals, if I could achieve that, that would be amazing that people would come, even if they aren't moms, but they're on that journey to, to be inspired and to feel hopeful at the end that their journey will end the way they want it to have a baby, you know? Yeah. And there's so many different roots and forms of mothering and parenting. Um, Cause you can have children, but they're not biological. You could be a stepmom where you have fully adopted these children and they are yours. They're not blood, but they are 100% your children. And we see it everywhere. Um, and I think that's the beauty is like, like you said, it's not the birth story. That is the only story. Um, it's the, I have teenagers and I, oh my gosh, right. It's that or the, now I'm an empty nester and figuring that out. Like there's all of these transition, uh, transitioning phases and processes through the entire like life journey. It's not just parenting. It is a journey of life. And um, yeah, there's so many different expansion pieces that you could take this to, but I love that. Like right now your focus is mothers and the general story. And more importantly is you're taking your teaching skills and your coaching skills into helping people formulate and tell the story with impact and with, with realizing that there is importance behind what they're saying and that they can connect with others by telling their story and that they can provide a place of safety for others by telling their story. And I think that regardless of what the actual storyline is, that's what it comes down to and comes back to every single time is that there is importance behind your story and you can provide a place of safety or a place of, um, uh, oh my gosh, inspiration from that story as well. And that's the beauty of it. And that is the true power of storytelling. Well, that, thank you. Can I just take that sound clip and like, go for it. (laughs) I don't think I could have said it any better. (laughs) There you go. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. That's absolutely it. Like it just, that's exactly what I want to do. It feels so right. Yeah. That's so great. And I love like you're providing your webinars are free, correct? Yeah. Right now. Yeah. My workshops. So when I do them live, they're free. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I have recorded ones that people can purchase for just uh, like $7, like just a small amount. Um, And then they have the access to everything. But if they join me live, then yeah, it's free right now. So that's great. Well, and that's a great way to build that connection. And then 
just encourage more, more of this, right? And I know for me, I've attended a few webinars here and there on various topics. And it's like, it was good, but I need a little bit more. So then we go back, right? And that's, that's perfect being able to expand that way. And then I'm so excited for your event in it's May, correct? In May. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not in Ontario, but <laughs> <laughs> I know, but I do have grand plans of, oh, of you know, heading out. Um, I just have to start with one, you of know, course. and see how that goes and kind of build the model. And then I do, I would love ideally, again, similar to using Ted as my oh, yeah. example, you know, they're running Ted oh. events all over all the time. Um, so my personal goal would be one a month to start. Um, I mean, yeah. And then I, I, 2025, I have some goals, you know, that I'm focusing on to bring it outside of Ontario, like where I am and then to expand to other provinces or other coasts or, you know, <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. This is a time thing for sure. And, um, <clears throat> excuse me, I think, you got to do your pilot project first, right? And you've got to get it set. And Ted, that's what Ted did, I believe. Oh, I'm old now. In the like early 2000s when they started, it was only in one location. Mm-hmm. And and they got it, they got it functioning. They created the the entire platform. And I think it was like five some years of being in only one location. And mm-hmm. then and then it took. And then now, I mean, you can watch TED Talks on their website, everywhere. It's the source for everybody. It's now like the phrase, right? Welcome to my TED Talk. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so it's, um, yeah, it's it's just having that vision and then being able to, with patience, like know that it can expand from there, but build your foundation first and then away you go. Because then you could, in essence, run, you know, five events simultaneously across various geographic locations too. So that's so amazing. Thanks. Um, I will also be starting a podcast. So by the time this comes out, uh, there will be a mother telling podcast that um, it's in the beginning will be educational. So things to help you craft your stories and all of that. But then I hope to start sharing stories once I have women who are you know, going through the program and all of that, I want to then share their stories. And oh, beautiful, so, beautiful. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, really, that's a great way to get their toes wet without eyes staring back at them <laughs> for speaking yes. on stage. Right. So <laughs> it's so true. Yeah. <laughs> Try it here first, you know, <laughs> exactly. Right. Let's, let's work on a few things here and then, and then, then stand up in front of the eyes and then you learn that you look over their heads and you don't make eye contact, but they think you are. <laughs> so it's okay. Exactly. I know. How bright are the lights? You know, can you see them? Or <laughs> no. Lights are amazing. Yeah. yeah. That's so good. Um, yeah. so for you, <clears throat> if you were able to impact the young teenager so that she has the confidence and the courage to continue to tell her story as she goes through life. What would you try and and teach her? Whoa, love it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I mean, I have the benefit of having taught lots of teenagers, especially girls, Um, whether I did it right or wrong, who knows, but, um, that importance of your voice matters. Mm. I think I grew up and maybe it was the times the, you know, the time I grew up or what it was like, but I never thought my opinion mattered and whether that's, I mean, I don't think that's an only a me problem or a me thing. I think a lot of other people, women specifically um, feel that way. And I know I still battle it. So that's definitely um, what you have to say, your story, like it matters. It, it will be your connection point to other people. It's, you know, what, what you have to say is important to the whole world, to just one person. It doesn't matter. Still say it, get it out there. Don't be afraid. Um, 
exactly how, you know, how I teach that. I think in, in some ways, by example, when I think of my daughters, I want them to see their mummy as somebody who goes for what she wants, believes in herself, challenges the status quo, mm-hmm. all of that stuff. And I, I'm, I think until I had kids, I definitely thought about it before, but until I actually had them, um, I still allowed myself to, you know, stay quiet and not speak up and not let my voice be heard. But since having them, there's kind of that extra filter of like, what's the example you want to be to them when they look back um, at your life or at you or are trying to make decisions for themselves? What's the example that you're setting? And I hope that it's one of courage and conviction and standing, you know, my ground and what I believe or what I want to say and knowing that my voice matters. Yeah. Oh, beautiful. Absolutely. And I think I 100% agree with you. There was a, I think for a very long time, and we're just starting to get out of it where we're teaching our young women that you, you have an opinion and you have an ability to speak up and say something. There are ways to do it effectively. And there are ways that almost take away from that opinion and that, that value that you have. So let's, let's learn and how to do it appropriately or, and effectively. Um, but I mean, even with the stuff that I've worked with, the amount of especially women 40 and older that stand there and say, what am, what am I going to do? I'm one person. Why should I bother saying this? Why should I bother saying I don't like this situation or this is where I think it needs to go? And it's like, but you're one person. And it takes a pebble to create a ripple. So let's like honor that. And someone's going to hear you. I have shivers. It's so <laughs> true. I mean, I think of who brought us together, like Sarah Swing, you know, she, her voice, it's easy to say now, like her voice mattered, but did she think that at the time or did it, you know, uh, who knows, but now like she brought us all together into that room yeah, I hope I know she felt that love that we all had for and the appreciation of bringing us all together. Yeah. Um, I also like I wrote a chapter in her book. That's kind of how I got connected with Sarah in her book, The Sovereign, our book. It was all of ours, you that's know, who brought too. it together. <laughs> yeah. Of, you know, how the pandemic years or what, you know, how they impacted me and the decisions I made. And I wasn't one that was really loud about my opinion on social media that partly out of fear, partly out of, I just didn't know how, or didn't have the words or whatever. But for me, my right way of sharing so that I felt like my story could be heard was through the book. So then when the book came out and my story was published on paper, I felt more confident to share that with some people that didn't have my same opinion or didn't see things the same way. Mm-hmm. And um, I did have one friend that said, like, I was able to hear you and hear this and see it differently now. Whereas I know she had a cousin who was very vocal and they parted for a while. They've mended, which is great. But um, so I loved how you said about how to go about doing it as well. Um everyone's way can be the right way for them if that's how they want to, but there are ways that are more impactful maybe, or that ways to say it so that people can hear it. Um, Mm -hmm. And I do think just as you were saying all that, I'm like, yeah, like working on crafting your story and then having the courage to say it on stage in front of a group of people might really be, although I'm not a therapist and it's not going to be therapy, but I imagine like with writing my story, there's that therapeutic element to it. Mm-hmm. Um, whether this, that's the validation or yeah, the it's courage the to share. Art. Art's the same. Cause it's the, it's literally just a kinesthetic way of removing the thoughts out of the body. And you're an artist for them 
that is their opinion and their thoughts. That is their heart and soul. And it's delivered however it is through art, whatever media that is. And I mean, really and truly storytelling is an art form. It's still another way of creating. It's still another way of sharing. And it is still your heart and soul that is leaving your body now auditory and kinesthetic put together. And I think that when we return to our traditional forms of delivery, especially for like controversial topics, if we return to our, our traditional forms of delivery through creation, through art, people receive it better and they are more open to considering and thinking about what the topic is versus um, the negative side of our social media. I'll use that as the example of just like ramming thoughts down people's throats. And so there's there are methods where if you really want to make a change and you really want to be heard and back to the 14 year old girl, because Lord knows at 14, 15, 16, there are a lot of topics that you, you do need to learn to stand firm on. Um, when you can deliver it effectively, you are respected that much more. And it's, it's, if you can experience that at a young age, you can carry that through with you for the rest of your life as well. Absolutely. I love, okay. First, I love your art. I think you're so talented. Okay. I am not a visual artist. Like, <laughs> you don't have to be. Yeah. No. <laughs> well, when I see people who can do art, I just, it's amazing. But I love that you said that because I was at a networking event not too long ago and talking to this woman who supports local artists. And she kept referring to me as an artist. And she's like, yeah, you're like the artistic director. And I was like, you are. I am that is like it is art you're right like I do I do want people to perform like yeah. to be on stage and perform and you're right like it's absolutely art and I do I love that you said that because I I want people to to listen to stories true stories out of real people's mouths that experienced it and just have that moment of compassion that maybe they didn't have if they're just seeing a meme or a short clip on social media or yeah. on the news happening far away, you know, um, because that is really, truly how we connect with people, right. Is, is, is through their story. And yeah, I don't know. We can't live their experience, but we can see it if it's delivered, you know, in a, yeah. in a way that we can absorb. Yeah. Cool. That's cool. Yeah. So <laughs> you are an artist you're just you, you you deliver in a different way but it's in a way that's true to you and that's the beauty of it is when we when we really look art is everywhere yeah and we are all artists of our own life too so it's mm -hmm. perfect that way yeah so yeah. true all right so we're gonna do one more if you could go back and tell your 16 year old self anything what would it be? Oh my gosh. I think it's so interesting. You picked 16. I was, I was, a. Uh, oh, I was so hard on myself at 16. <sighs> what would I tell her? Probably like you're braver than you think. Um, I used to think I was so brave, like when I was younger than that, like I, I just felt like I had so much confidence and, and then teenage years, eh? you just, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, yeah, like I was a self-harmer. I would hurt myself. Um, cause I would just get so, you know, scared of everything that I had to do. And, and it was just so much and so intense and I couldn't calm myself down and that's how I would do it. And, um, I think too, like I have an ADHD diagnosis. I, I sometimes question, I question it, but I've always struggled with mental health yeah. and it really, um, started, it presented itself when I was nine, but then really at 16, um, was borderline debilitating. Oh. Um, and, and when I, pardon, 
Hence the overwhelm that you felt at 16. Okay. Exactly. And when I was introduced to a community of women, Mm -hmm. you know, in their thirties, mid thirties, forties, who all of a sudden, like they were going through the diagnosis with their child, a lot of them. And then they, as they're doing the questionnaires and this was not my experience because my kids are younger, but um, they were like, Oh, maybe I have ADHD. And so it's because girls, especially back when I was a child, like we were good at sitting and listening in school. We weren't bouncing off the walls. It didn't present that way, but my brain was bouncing off the walls. Mm. And anyway, so since that diagnosis and, and meeting that ADHD community, I've come to appreciate my brain and to not get so angry at it. Um, so yeah, I don't even know if bravery is the right word, but just to explain some of this to her that like your brain's pretty miraculous. It does a lot of really cool things that seem scary right now, or it seems like a lot or people don't understand it, but mm-hmm. your brain's going to give you a lot of gifts, you know, as mm-hmm. you get older. And so I've come to appreciate my brain instead of hating it so much. I hated my brain for so long. Mm-hmm. And, um, when I was thinking about my speaker slam talk and battling, if I wanted to start this new business and declare it on stage, (laughs) the other talk that I was wrestling with was about, was kind of about this and just how much I um, hated the way my brain was, but I didn't fully understand it. And I still don't, but I definitely know it better. And I'm not as hard on myself Yeah, for some of the things that are just like, it's the way I'm wired. Like, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I wish I could tell her that because she really hated her brain really oh, a lot, <laughs> man. I, imagine, girl. I imagine that was really tough going through that and just, and, and not knowing, cause I don't think, I don't think we were really ever effectively educated or aware of, of all of those components, especially for ADHD, um, back at that time. I think it's something I'm seeing it more. I don't know. Maybe it's been more prevalent for a long time, um, but I'm only seeing more awareness and more understanding of it in the last four or five years. Um, And to the point where there's one guy, I appreciate him so much. I can't remember who he is on Instagram, but he literally acts out what it is like for an ADHD person so that the non-ADH people can be like, oh, that's why they do what they do. And it's like this, you know, instead of taking the straight line, it's the, um, do you remember family circus cartoons? Oh yeah. Yeah. Little Timothy. And he's like, he's supposed to go from the house to the school, which is across the street, but he does the longest loop routes ever possible, which like now looking back, I wonder if while the guy, the artist was making a joke about how boys in particular operate, I wonder if that was actually him pointing out an ADHD brain as well. And like, this is just, this is our way of getting to the point. Mm-hmm. That's a good, yeah, that's a great example. Mm-hmm. I know for me, like I, and and part of it, you know, sometimes when I reflect I'm like is this just motherhood and perhaps it is too but mm-hmm. I will start something and then get distracted by something else and then something else and all of a sudden I have four things on the go and I'm like Courtney finish something just finish one thing but I don't get angry at myself anymore yeah. like I would get so like why am I like this what's wrong with me how come I can't just do it and I just such negative self-talk and now I'm like this is how you are yeah. But let's just finish one thing, <laughs> put it away, and then let's do the next thing and put it away. And it's not even like tasks around the house. This happened the other morning where I had like coffee and a half eaten breakfast, our advent calendar puzzle half done, so, like a lunch started. And I was like, just finish the lunch. <laughs> What's right. the most important, you know? And then I'm like, the then bring your coffee to the puzzle and finish it there. Like, what are you doing? But so yeah. I feel like motherhood, especially with newborn, newborn to uh, 
I don't know, probably even six, seven year olds, you're still, you are in like this weird messed up form of ADHD because you're tired for one. And you're like, you're now having to think for multiples, not just for yourself too. So you are in multiple locations all at once, trying to manage multiple things. And it's like, but the laundry needs to get done and I need to do this. And then I need to pack this and I need to have this. And is the, the swim bag ready? And like, it's just so, it feels like so much. It's like this whole new sense of overwhelm. Um, man, if someone could create a way to train people to handle like, I don't know, functioning overwhelm, <laughs> it would be amazing. Uh, <laughs> but it translates oh. to everybody. So. It's funny you bring that word up because that, I said to my friend the other day, I was like, I just don't want, or I, I might've been with my counselor. It doesn't matter. I was like, I don't want my baseline to be overwhelmed yeah. always. I'm yeah. just, I always, when people are like, how are you doing? And I'm like, good, but I'm overwhelmed. <laughs> I just yeah. don't. And I know I could just stop saying that, but I really feel it all the time. And it's like, yeah, how can you, yeah. how can you work on that? You know, one thing um, I just want to go back to what you were saying before, um, well, and it kind of relates to the like 14 year old girl thing. I supply teach right now yeah. to fund my business, basically. <laughs> and, um, I love going into the school, still being with the teenagers. And then I just get to like hand in my keys at the end of the day. And I don't have to worry Perfect. about the system and all that and whatever. And I don't have to do the marking, but I often get work periods with the kids. Like uh, unless we're watching a movie, which is not as frequent as people like to believe. I often get work periods. And so what I do with them, because it works for me, is the Pomodoro technique, I think is what, I don't know. I do Pomodoros with them. And so basically you, there's science behind it of why it works, but it's like 25 minutes of focused work, five minutes rest, 25 minutes of focused work, five minutes rest. And so I usually with the kids, I'm like, okay, you have a work period. I have ADHD. This is what works for me, whether you do or not, like it just might help, but let's do 25 minutes of solid work. I usually a little bit less, they're teenagers. And then I'm like, then you can have five minutes to chat, to be on your phones, to, I don't care what you do, but within reason. (laughs) And then we come back and we focus again. And I, I find that they really like it. I get a lot of kids that are like, that was great, miss. And I'm like, I didn't do anything, but I did help to structure them. And it's like, if we could learn some of these techniques, imagine if you learned that at 14, like I learned it in my thirties and I love it, but had I been a 14 year old and I could just 25 minutes of working on this essay or this homework or whatever, and then I get a five minute break. And anyway, you do like 25 and five, 25 and five, and then 25 and maybe you get 20 then there's a it's a technique that has kind of some structure to it in a 75 minute period. I never get to the end of it. So we just do those breaks, but that's amazing. anyway, I yeah. Think Pomodoros. It, well, and it helps with that mental fatigue too. Cause you almost stop before the mental fatigue kicks in. And so then you're mm-hmm. able to like refresh and then you go back. And so mm-hmm. even, I, I, even in the work world, that would be highly impactful. I think. Definitely. Mm -hmm. There's an app, like I have the Pomodoro app and it walks you through the steps, but yeah. Right. It just helps us all. It doesn't matter if you have ADHD or not. Like, it's like, okay, I only have to focus for this amount of time. So then what I find is if I get distracted, I'm like, nope, just wait for the buzzer, (laughs) you know, like wait for the timer to go off. Just keep focusing. Especially if it's something I don't want to do, like, oh no. Yeah. Laundry. Laundry. (laughs) (laughs) bookkeeping I don't know (laughs) well and so I'm at the age I have a 10 year old and so she's in this like work adverse stage because mom used to do everything for me and now we're trying to teach her to do it herself and there was one day where it was like laundry and she needed to fold her laundry and it's always a battle and I said well do you want to watch tv well yeah okay fold your laundry while watching tv and she's like I can do that. Yes. Yes, you can do that. But you have to be folding the laundry while you're watching TV. It can't just be in front of you. And it's like just even teaching her that where you can in areas where you can double up, go for it because you're still being productive. You're still doing the thing, the deed, the thing you don't want to do, but you're almost like 
distracted and rewarded with the thing you do want to do, right? So I find for her that works really well. And then I don't know about your kids, Courtney, but maybe at some point, if you need to get them to do something and they're competitive, time them. Mm. And I tell you that cat litter has never been so clean because <laughs> it's like, okay, last time you got it done in five minutes. Let's see if you can do the same great job under five gone and it's perfect. <laughs> okay. I love that. Thank yeah. you very much. You're backpack. I, well, I think it would work now for sure too. Probably. Yeah. So I love, I love that. It's so true. When people say like multitasking doesn't work, I'm like, it depends what you're doing because I can clean my house and listen to a really great audiobook or podcast, like, yes. you know, your podcast yeah. <laughs> um, while I'm cleaning. And that's 100%. two things at once. Like I'm learning and being entertained and my toilet's clean. And there so, is science that you actually learn more while you're doing the menial task that requires no thought. So, and so if you're listening to learn, you're learning it and absorbing because when we work with our hands is actually when the brain can absorb the information that's coming in versus trying to sit there and only focusing on the one thing. That's so cool. Mm -hmm. I believe that because oh, yeah. I think like I can remember certain things so I used to clean houses so um, when I closed my personal training business before I started this one and we moved and it's a whole thing yeah. I was cleaning houses in the middle of that yeah. and I loved it and I would listen to things and I would be back in like a certain part of the house cleaning and I'd remember something that I listened to months ago oh yeah I was like oh yeah when I was listening to this book cleaning this room at this time I remember he talked about this subject <laughs> It's so cool. Absolutely. Well, and that's where uh, I don't think it's in every school, but in some schools, um, kids aren't allowed to be doodling while they're being taught. And I'm like, that's so sad because that was the only way for me as a teenager, I actually absorbed information was while I was doodling and drawing. And it was because I like my brain was not distracted by the clock and the other things going on because I was focused on one while the information was coming in. And, uh, I know for a fact that that made a difference because my teachers would try to catch me and be like, make me stop. And I would recite word for word what they just said. And they're like, okay, I can't argue that you are paying attention. So yeah, there's, it's finding the things that work for you for learning or managing tasks or getting beyond and yeah. And it, it, <laughs> we totally diverted from our storytelling piece, but that's okay. okay. <laughs> that's okay. Uh, it's Even. true though. Mm -hmm. It's very true. I always found, um, sorry, we're still, that's okay. now, but I'll finish with one little story is um, there's a, a lot as to why I left the teaching, the school system and teaching. And, but I would always sit down to parent teacher interviews and I'd get the parent and they would come and, I get this big sigh and they were like, you know, how's she doing? I'm like, great. Yeah. Maybe like, sorry. And I'm like, no, she's a rock star in my class. And they'd be like, oh my gosh, like, tell me more because they would have just come from all the seated classes yes. where they are in desks and you're learning math or English or whatever. And you're, you're stuck in a desk. You're supposed to sit there for the 75 minutes to then me where I'm like, no, like she's dancing and we're moving and we're, and she's absorbing it. And she's what, you know, or, or same with drama, you know, there's no desks we're playing. We're having, we're doing games. We're learning through experience. We're connecting with people. And I'm like, no, like, I don't see those behaviors, like things that other teachers would complain about. And it was just, I mean, I loved the subjects I taught for that reason, but it also just made me so frustrated at how the system could be different and yeah. we were still teaching like we did a hundred plus years ago. And it's like, no, there's different ways. There's better ways. And I was always grateful. I didn't teach desk classes for the most part, you know, and even if I had to, I had them up and moving because yeah. I was like, there's you, whether it's doodling as well. Like I was, I loved when kids doodled. I'm like, yeah, go for it. Cause I do. I know that yeah. And still listen and some kids listen better that way or learn better that way anyway I digress but I just I see it I know what you're saying and I yeah 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 
Yeah, it's all, I mean, that's hard though, when you're in a position of trying to teach to 20 to 30 kids in one room and every single one operates differently. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a huge challenge and there's a reason why I'm not a teacher. So, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> so I will stop my uh, ramble on that right now because <laughs> that's not fair to them. There is oh, a specific fine. reason why I am not a teacher, but yeah, it's, oh, uh, I know. And that could be a whole nother podcast. It, oh, it could be an entire <laughs> series and season. Yes. So. <laughs> Oh, Courtney, this has been fabulous. Um, I agree. I am so thankful that you sat on here and taught us about mother telling. And I so look forward to seeing how it expands because that's all I can see is pure expansion for you. It's such a great thing to be able to give moms, women, fathers permission to tell their stories and their experiences and find connection to each other through that route. Um, it's like another, you know, support group, but with a different format and a different delivery system. And sometimes that is what we need, which then connects us to our classroom discussion is delivery systems and how we take in our support is different for everybody too. Well, thank you for this opportunity for having me on. It was so nice to chat with you and, and, and to be able to share my heart. Cause that's truly what this endeavor is this business is that's what mother telling is it's just my heart coming to life <laughs> and that's how it should be it should be your heart coming to life i'm a curious soul i love learning from other people i love deeper conversations and that's where like I, this ramble for me is it's so fulfilling and i so enjoy it because i gained so much i like i learned about the pomodoro effect so mm -hmm. now you know, it's another piece that I can take with me as I move forward in my life too. Uh, and if we're coming from our hearts, have we, as we've learned, it's, uh, you can't go wrong. It's true. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, thank you very much and good luck with your event. And uh, we will keep an eye out for all the other things that you have coming your way. 